you have uh, your Bibles, I want you to get ready to go to Luke, the 22nd chapter. We'll start with verse 15. But before you go there, let me just kind of set this up. So on January 22nd, we ended our 21 days of prayer and fasting. How many of you prayed during that time? Did you pray? How many of you found it difficult to pray? Wave your, wave your hand. Let, so let, let's say it this way. If it, if, if it wasn't, let's, let's remove that time frame. How many of you have ever found it difficult to pray? Hold your hand up. Now, if you're like me, I know what it's like to get down and on my knees and my intentions are good. And I start out well. And I'm praying from all my heart. And then all of a sudden, somewhere in my prayer, I realize that I'm thinking about something totally different and I've stopped praying. Does that happen to anybody besides me? And then what do you do? You spend the next five minutes asking God to forgive you. Because you, 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 and then you start, then you start thinking, what in the world caused me to get way over there in my thoughts and you spend the next five minutes trying to trace that down. So if you lost 10 minutes in prayer right there. Prayer is difficult. Now let me, let, let me explain why. Because prayer is powerful. And there's a reason the devil doesn't want you to pray. Amen? Now I'm not talking about just reading a prayer out of a book or repeating some prayer. I'm talking about the scripture says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer is powerful. What I want to do is I'm going to take a few moments and I want to trace for you the power of prayer. And my hope is, is that I can show you in scripture what happens when you pray and you'll understand why the devil fights you so hard to keep you from praying. Amen? Amen. So go with me to Luke, the 22nd chapter, the 15th verse. Jesus speaking. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Let's pray together. Father, we just ask you to have your way today. Lord, we yield ourselves to your presence. Ask you, Father, to enter our midst and to do what only you can do, God. We give you praise and thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to speak to you for a few moments on the power of prayer. The scripture I just read, Jesus has gathered his disciples together. They are celebrating a feast that's referred to as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It, it's honoring the Passover. But this isn't the first time he's done this. He's been, they've been with him for three years. But on this night, he's saying something different. There's, there, there's something going on. He says, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. They can sense it in his voice, feel it in the air. Listen to his next words. And he took bread, 
and gave thanks and break it and gave it to them saying this is my body which is given for you this do in remembrance of me likewise also the cup after supper saying this this cup is the new testament in my blood which is shed for you he's never spoken these words before and all the time that he's commemorated this passover feast with them he's never spoken these words something's happening he takes the bread and he breaks it and rather than remembering what happened with Moses in Egypt he's thinking about what's getting ready to happen he breaks the bread gives it to them and says this is my body which is broken for you eat it he takes the cup and said this is my blood of the New Testament drink it tonight he's not remembering the feast he's fulfilling what it stood for this moment will no longer be referred to as the Passover or the feast of unleavened bread from here on out those that know him will remember this as the Last Supper while he speaks that to them and they're trying to figure out what's that mean eat eat this bread drink my blood he sends them reeling with these next words he says one of you shall betray me no one had a clue who it was they all begin to ask the question they all start questioning their own walk is it me am I the one I leave for your consideration if they had known it was Judas they would have killed him these aren't the, the, these guys aren't a bunch of you know wishy-washy guys these these folks have busted heads before before they met Jesus and if they find out that somebody's getting ready to try and take him out they're really going to be upset but they don't know only Jesus knew and now they begin to question their own walk with him and while they're thinking on those words he asks them a question and he says to them in verse 35 when I sent you without purse and scrip and shoes lacked ye anything and they said nothing it's not that they didn't speak they they're, they're speaking quickly they're speaking loudly and they're speaking boldly did you lack anything in there no no we didn't lack anything God you've been everything for us you've done everything for us you've always been there for us but now he begins to say something else that begins to make them question what is going on what why is he saying these words look at look at verse 36 then he said to them but now he that have the purse let him take it and likewise his script and he that hath no sword let him sell his garment and buy one for I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me and he was reckoned among the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end and they said to him Lord behold here are two swords and they said unto them it's enough why would he tell them two swords would be enough 
I want you to follow this discourse. He's telling them, I've taken care of you. I've been there for you. I've done everything for you, and they've acknowledged that. Now he's telling them, go get your purse. And if you've got a garment, sell your garment and get a sword. Because up to this point, I've been there and done everything. But now this gospel is going to cost you something. Now, not only is it going to cost you something, but you're going to have to fight for it, and you're getting ready to find yourself in a battle like you've never been in before. Somebody say, get a sword. One of them stand up, and they make the statement, and they said, well, we've got two swords here. And he said, it's enough. Now, Jesus knows that in just a matter of a few hours, He's going to take them in a place called Gethsemane. And there is going to be a band of soldiers that come in there after him. A band of soldiers consisted of between 400 and 1,000 men. We always see these depictions where, you know, there's three or four soldiers coming after. There weren't three or four. There were like four or 500 soldiers coming into that garden. And he tells them two swords are enough. Why? Because the sword they were looking at isn't the sword he's talking about. They're looking at a sword in their hand or a sword of the flesh. But he's talking to them about a sword of the Spirit. And so he takes them into Gethsemane. And when they go into Gethsemane, what's he do? He gathers them aside and he says, you tarry here and pray and I'm going to go over there and pray what are they supposed to be doing in the garden what are they doing in the garden sleeping Jesus begins to pray while they sleep now Jesus prayer isn't just some ordinary prayer his prayer is intense you might say that his prayer is effectual and fervent. Well, what's that mean? Well, remember, I shared with you a moment ago that he says that the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. The word effectual there, when he speaks about that, effectual means having adequate power or force to produce the effect Fervent means to be hot, to boil, to glow. How many of you have ever had a effectual, fervent prayer? You know what I'm talking about? It's all of a sudden that, God, I've got to have you. You're, you're down and you mean business. And you're praying and it's intense. And you're not just dropping down on your knees saying, now I lay me down to sleep. Now, you're not just reading a prayer out of a book. You are doing battle. Do you know that the Bible said that he prayed until his sweat came as great drops of blood? That's not a figure of speech. Medically, they've discovered that a man can be going through so much anxiety, so much turmoil in his spirit, that it can cause the capillaries of his blood system to rupture and secrete blood through the sweat glands of his body. He is in intense prayer. He goes back to them, and they're sleeping. So he wakes them up, and he says, pray. 
Pray that you don't enter into temptation. He goes back and prays, and they did what? They continued to sleep. Now, something happens here while Jesus is praying that you need to get a hold of and take note. The Bible said that while he prayed, an angel came and ministered to him. Somebody say power in prayer. Don't forget that. An angel came. He gets up. He goes and he wakes them up and he said, rise, the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Well, let's be going. And they're, they're staggering and they look up and they see hundreds of soldiers coming with swords. And the first thing Peter's thinking of is he's saying, he told me two swords are enough. So he takes a hack at one of them, cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant, only to have Jesus tell him, put your sword up. If you take the sword, you're going to perish with the sword. And he's got to be thinking, you told me that two swords were enough. Peter's not prepared because Peter was sleeping. Then Jesus demonstrates for them the sword he was talking about when he said it's enough. And he looked at them and he said, who do you seek? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am he. And with those words, he dropped over 400 men flat on their back. And the same word that put them on their back or on the ground could have put them under the ground. He demonstrates to them that when you pray, there's power in prayer and you will not be caught unaware. Now, I want you to hear me. I didn't say that when you pray, that things that you're praying about won't get worse. I said, when you pray, you won't be caught unaware. In other words, whatever the situation or the circumstance is that the devil's throwing at you, when you spend time in prayer, you have sharpened your sword and you're ready for the battle. Let's talk about this sword for a second. What is this sword? The scripture says, in Ephesians, Paul's talking to us and he, he, he makes a statement, he says, and put on or take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And right after that verse, right after that verse, it says praying always. Praying always. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many of you need to uh, improve your prayer life a little bit? Praying always always there's a reason you struggle to find time to pray the devil knows what will happen if you do there's a reason you struggle with your thought process the devil knows what's going to happen if you begin to pray praying always now let's talk about this for a second because it says taking the word of God which is the sword of the spirit now, they had no Bible, as we know. They had no Bible like we've got, right? But let's look at what they did have. John wrote about it. In the beginning was the... And the Word was... And the Word was... And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Paul said, the sword of the Spirit, which is the 
word of God. I'm telling you, when you get God in you, I said, when you get God in you, uh, then when you begin to pray, God is coming out of you. Uh, you're not just praying your own words. Uh, you're praying the word of God. You're declaring the word of God. You're standing on the promise uh, of what he's spoken. And when you do that, something powerful happens. Everybody say, power in prayer. I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians 10 and 4. Jesus demonstrates to us the need to pray. That's why he took them to the garden. They slept and he prayed. Then in that same garden, he demonstrated the power of prayer because when you pray, something's happening in another realm. I want to show that to you in 2 Corinthians 10 and 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So let's take a look at this. Weapons in Greek means tools or instruments. So Paul's saying God has given you some tools to use. He's given you some instruments. He's giving you some weapons. And he said those weapons are not carnal. The word carnal there means pertaining to flesh. So what he's saying is this, is that what God has equipped you with has got nothing to do with you. What God has given you isn't about your flesh. It doesn't pertain to your flesh. The tools and instruments, the weapons that he's given you are not about you, but they are mighty. Everybody say mighty. The word mighty there in Greek means powerful or capable. Everybody say it with me. Powerful or capable. So this is what I know. I know that, what, I know that God's equipped me. He's given me weapons. I know that those weapons have got nothing to do with me, but they are powerful. They're capable to pulling down strongholds. The word stronghold there means fortress or castle. So this is what he's saying. You're not, you are not weak. You are not without hope. You are not without power. What God has equipped you with is powerful enough to rip down the fortress that the devil has tried to take you captive in and throw you in his dungeon. So... I mean, doesn't it make sense, man, when you read that and you think, I, I need to figure this out. I need to find out what weapon this is. And the only way I can understand the weapon is understand the warfare because you don't take a knife to a gunfight. So what is the weapon he's speaking of? Look at warfare. I have to understand where the battle is, and I have to understand how do we fight. To find that, I have to look at warfare. And the word warfare comes from a Greek word, stratia. It means military service. Everybody say, I've enrolled in the army. You remember, we talk about being in God's army. That song we used to sing, I can't remember it. What is it? 
No, that's, that's a Carmen song. What's a little song? There it is, in the army. But I'm in the Lord's army. See that? There's a kid in the back that's singing something. Well, I'm not. She's not a kid. Pardon me. There's a young lady in the back that used to be a kid that still remembers that she's in the Lord's army. If you're not careful, we start drifting away and forgetting that I'm not. You know, praise the Lord. I'm a Christian. No, you are in a military service. You are not weekend warriors. Unfortunately, we've got too many weekend warriors. We got folks that show up on Sunday, but cut them off Monday in traffic, and they will chew you up and spit you out. And then say, praise the Lord. (laughs) I'm talking about a military service. The definite, go back to that. The definition says the apostolic career. Those are not my words. That's the definition of the word warfare. An apostolic career, one of hardship and danger. How many of you know that when you get in the service, there's going to be some hardship and danger? David, you just wrote, you went through boot camp. Wasn't it all a bed of roses? Did they just treat you with, you know, cotton candy and, and, you know, and you had ice cream every night and you slept on a bed of feathers with a pillow that just, no, he came back saying, man, they made me sleep out in the, out in the air with nothing. I didn't have nothing. It's cold out there, man. It was how, how, how cold was it? He doesn't know. It's so cold it froze his mind. He can't remember. He said it was cold. It was just cold. And, and he didn't, he didn't treat it like it was something easy to do. Now hear me. If you're going to live for God, you need to know that there is a target on your back. But you also need to know that there's a general called Jesus that is the captain of the host. And he is able to take care of you. So it's now that word, the word stratia, comes from the Greek word stratiomahi. And if I'm mispronouncing that, pray. It means a military campaign. Now, here's the difference. You can be in the service and never be in a military campaign. You follow me? In other words, you can enroll in service in a time of peace and never see action. But not in this army. In this army, it's not just the service. There's a war going on. There's a military campaign going on, and that campaign, where's that fight happening? It says to contend with carnal inclinations. What's that mean? Carnal inclinations. Here's the war. It's attacks on my mind. Carnal inclinations. And i got to be honest with you. When I was studying this and I came to that point, I started feeling a little vulnerable. Because I thought, man, I know what it's like to have your mind under attack. I know what it's like to have the devil start saying things to you and just bombarding you. And he always takes you at your weakest point. 
He didn't hit Jesus when Jesus was all, all power. He waited until Jesus had fasted for 40 days and nights, and he's at his weakest point, and that's when he begins to attack, and he's messing with his mind. If you're the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And Jesus used the word. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. Have you ever had an attack going on in your mind? Have you ever been to church and been sitting in a pew and, and, and come to worship God and praying and all of a sudden you get some crazy thought that hits your mind? And when you get that crazy thought, you immediately catch it and you go, oh, wait a minute, man. And, and, and you say, oh, I, I, I can't believe I'm thinking about that. And then what's the next thing you hear? If you were a Christian, you wouldn't be thinking things like that. You a Christian? Are you kidding me? Who do you think you're kidding? Who do you? Those attacks come and they come rapidly and they come intentionally and their fears. And I'm thinking, God, what hope do I have? I can't, I, I can't keep those thoughts from attacking my mind. And then I kept studying. And I found out that that Greek word, that means that, mean, that stradio, um, he, that means attacks on the mind, comes from another Greek word that means stradia. <laughs> and this is what that word means. It means an army, uh, celestial illuminaries, the angels. And then I understood what he was saying. Uh, he was telling me, uh, when you come under attack, uh, don't give in to the attack. Uh, begin to pray. Uh, and when you pray, uh, you're engaging an army of angels uh, to come and fight on your behalf. When Jesus was in the garden, he prayed and an angel came and ministered to him you are not alone could you imagine if David was the army of the United States of America it's him and that's it all our enemies would be saying, hey let's go attack but he's not it he's part of it do you understand that we are not it? We are not on our own. We're not alone, but we are part of the family of God. And there's an army that stands waiting to be dispatched. And the way they get dispatched is through prayer. Everybody say, there's power in prayer. Now, I know some of you right now are thinking, oh, man, I thought. I don't know about all that. That, I mean, yeah, I know Jesus prayed and an angel came, but I mean, really, is that what you're trying to tell me, that when you pray you engage an army of angels? I mean, do, do, do you have any other scripture where you can show me besides that? I'm so glad you asked. Go to the book of Daniel, the 10th chapter of Daniel. It says, verse 12, then he said to me, this is the angel, or the, this is Daniel talking about what the angel said to him. He said, then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come 
because of your words. Daniel is seeking an answer. Daniel's praying. He prayed for 21 days. <laughs> There's a reason we have 21 days of prayer and sacrifice. Because sometimes just praying once isn't going to get the job done. Daniel prayed and the angel said, he heard you the first time you prayed. But then he goes on, you can go on and read. Let me go ahead and preach. He goes, he goes on to say, but, but I, I got hung up. <laughs> you, you were heard the first time you prayed. I got dispatched, but the prince of Persia prevented me. Who is that? The Bible said that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. There are demons that are given dominion over geographical locations to try and take control of that location. That's why there are places in this world where you go and you feel the darkness when you get there. I traveled to Russia for, you know, several times during the 90s, and I could always tell when I got into Moscow. St. Petersburg was totally different. St. Petersburg, you could arrive in it, and there was a whole different feeling to it. But when you got into Moscow, there was something heavy that started coming down. And as I begin to study this, I begin to understand what's going on. And when you get in those areas, you better have yourself covered with prayer. He told Daniel, you were heard the first time you prayed, but the prince of Persia prevented me. He stopped me. What did Daniel do? Daniel kept praying. How many of you didn't get your answer the first time you prayed? And then you don't raise your hand on this one, but how many times do we give up after we don't get our answer when we pray? Daniel kept praying praying. And let me tell you what happened with those prayers. Those prayers kept going up to the general. Those prayers kept coming before the throne room of God. And God saw that Gabriel was being hung up by the prince of Persia. So God calls on Michael, the, or on Michael, the archangel, and Michael goes down there and puts a whipping on the prince of Persia and allows Gabriel to get to Daniel. And Gabriel gives Daniel his answer. And then he tells Daniel, now i got to go back and engage this battle because there's some more demons coming. There's some more kingdoms getting ready to rise. We still got to deal with the prince of Greece. We still got to deal with these demonic forces. But your prayer brought a breakthrough. Everybody say, draw your sword. There's power in prayer. Now, I know what's going through your mind right now. You're saying, yeah, that's the Old Testament. We don't live in the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. Could you give me anything in the New Testament? I just happen to have one. <laughs> if you go into the New Testament, you go into the book of Acts, and you'll discover Peter has been arrested. He's in jail, and they're going to kill him. After Easter, they're going to bring him out, and they're going to kill him. Now, listen to me, because they've already killed James. I want you to hear me. When you don't get the answer that you want and something happens that you're not expecting, it's an attack on your mind 
the devil says, why bother to pray? I only wish you could talk to James. Because when James died, he was standing in the presence of God, worshiping and glorifying him. And James would tell you, keep on praying. It's worth it. He may take you down, but he can't take you out. Peter's in jail. He's locked up, and there are 16 soldiers guarding him, two of which are on either side of him inside the cell. This is a bad dude. They're scared to death that he may preach or he may pray. (laughs) There's power in prayer. The church is gathered at Mary's house and they're praying. And as they're praying, something happens in prison. An angel comes down walks into the middle of the prison, Peter thinks he's having a dream. He thinks he's seeing a vision. The angel touches Peter and says, get up. The chains that they've got him shackled with fall off of him. He stands up and he walks right past those guards. The cell door opens of its own accord. Not really. I know who the key is. <laughs> I know who the door is. He said, if any man knock, I'll come in. Listen, all of a sudden that door opens up, and Peter's thinking, man, I don't want to wake up. He's out of prison. He's out of town. He goes outside the gates of the city. Then he wakes. He, he realizes this is real. <laughs> Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, this is real. And he does what you and I would have done after having been broke out of prison by an angel. He ran. He he takes off, man, to get off the street. And he goes down to Mary's house and he starts knocking on the door. And they're all in there praying. And Rhoda goes to the door. And you you know those little peepholes they got? And and she opens that up. and, And there's Peter standing at the door. Hey, Rhoda, let me in. She closes it, takes off running back inside, leaves him outside the door. Standing in the cold. She runs in and she tells everybody, Peter, Peter's here. And they all looked at, man, these folks that are faith-believing, Bible-thumping, praying Christians, looked at her and said, must be his ghost. <laughs> they already killed him. Peter's angels out there. It's, it's... And they go back and open the door and discover their prayers have been answered. When you pray, believe, and you receive. There's power in prayer. Now, I know, I know what's in your mind right now. Well, that's the New Testament. I mean, stuff like that just doesn't happen anymore, right? Wrong. Tell that to the missionary that was in Africa that shared his story. He and his wife were in their hut when they heard drums begin beating, and he knew what that meant. An attack was coming. They had looked out their window, and they saw in the wood line warriors from the village with their torches burning beating the drums, and they knew they were going to be under attack. 
So the missionary gathered his wife into the center of that hut and began to pray. And they prayed, God, we're asking you to protect us. We're asking you to save us. And the drums stopped. Their prayer intensified, expecting the attack. But the attack never came. A week later, one of the men that was getting ready to make the attack showed up in a service and gave his heart to God. The missionary recognized him and walked up to him and looked at him and he said, I know you. And he looked, he said, you were there that night. And the man nodded his head, yes, I was. And the missionary said, why didn't you attack? And the man looked at him and he said, I have a question for you. Where did all those men come from? He said, what, what are you talking about? He said, when we finished beating the drum, we stepped out of the woods to attack, and we saw large men surrounding your hut with swords in their hands. Where did they? Oh, there's an army of celestial illuminaries called the angels that are there to fight on our behalf. That's why the devil doesn't want you to think you accomplish anything in prayer. That's why even now some of you are questioning, I don't know if I believe all that. Because it's only possible when you believe. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, that's just a story you heard about. I heard about another story too. This one you might be a little bit more familiar with. It happened during the riots, I believe, that took place with Rodney King riots. Remember that? It was in Los Angeles, and there was a woman that had gone into town right before those riots broke out, and she got trapped where there was a mall, and she was in the parking lot. She tried to get, she, she realized that she needed to get out of there, and she ran and she jumped in her car, but before she could get her car started, a man reached in, grabbed the keys out of the ignition, and threw them in the bushes. They grabbed her out of the car, drug her through the window onto that parking lot where they planned to abuse her. And all she could do was cry out, Jesus, help me. When she prayed that prayer, she said, all of a sudden, I heard a voice say, let her go. He said, there were five men that had me pinned down on that parking lot. And there was a man that was standing there that was so large that it caused those five men to take off running because they were afraid of him. He said, he came and he picked me up in his arms. He set me back in the seat of my car and handed me the keys that had been thrown in the bushes and said, you need to leave now. She said, I started that car and turned around to thank him, but he was gone. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Uh, he's back where he was sent from. I, I'm telling you, you're not alone. There's power in prayer. I had a friend. His name was Douglas Carroll. I met him when I was just a teenager. I was 18 years old, and he came to our church. He was a deaf and dumb, and God healed him. He became a missionary to Africa, and he took people to Africa and, 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 and did the work of God. 
Let me tell you just a, a little snippet about him. He came and he was preaching a camp meeting for us. It was an outside camp. And while he's preaching, and he didn't really get excited, he just talked to you, but he'd captivate you. And while he's speaking, all of a sudden in the background, you kept hearing this. There was a whippoorwill in the trees, and he stopped speaking. And he looks up and he said, okay, Mr. Whippoorwill, we know you're there. God knows you're there. You can be quiet now. And we didn't hear from that bird the rest of the night. We were there when it happened. He shared with me about going into Africa. And he said, I went in and I had my interpreters with me. And he said, we started into a village that the Lord had spoke to me to go to. He said, as we started into the village, all of a sudden, there was a jeep that pulled in front of us and cut, of, cut us off. And these men jumped out. And they had machetes in their hands. And they ordered us out of the Jeep. And he said, I looked at my interpreter and said, you tell those men that we are servants of the Most High God and we are coming through. The interpreter looked at Douglas Carrow and said, you don't want to tell him that. You don't want to say that. He said, you tell them what I said. He looked at the guy that was the gang leader of them and he said, the missionary over there said... <laughs> that we're servants of the Most High God, step out of our way, we're coming through. He grabbed his machete, took a step toward Brother Caro, and all of a sudden dropped on his knees, uh, holding his stomach, uh, rolling on the ground, and he said, let him go, let him go through. What happened, Pastor? I believe God sent an angel that had a sword a whole lot bigger than his was, uh, and he found the point of it. When we pray, if we believe, it's powerful. Now, I've told you about things that happened to other people. Let me tell you about what happened to me, my family. I was just a kid. I was 15 years old at the time, and my brother Paul and been preaching and Paul would have probably wound up in witchcraft if he hadn't gotten saved and there were some people in Davenport Iowa that were having church trouble and they had been praying God send us someone and they had called my brother and asked him to come but you had to know my brother my brother was a homebody he didn't like to go any place I got him so mad at me one time because I'd set up a revival for him to go and preach. And he said, Rick, I can't go to that revival. I got these chickens that I need to take care of. And I, and I said, Paul, why don't you go outside and kill those chickens and pluck them and do what God called you to do? He didn't talk to me for a few days. <laughs> when he called me back, he said, call them up. I'm going to go and do the revival. They'd been praying, asking Paul, and they were asking Paul to come. And Paul said, I can't go. But they kept praying. I'll never forget the morning my brother woke me up. He was pale and he was shaking. And he looked at me and he said, Rick, I said, what is it, man? What happened? He said, I, 
I was getting ready to go to work today, and he said, I opened up the door to walk outside, and he said, there was an angel of God standing in the doorway with a sword in his hand, and I heard God speak to me, if you leave these doors, you're not coming back in alive. He said, you go pack your bags and go to Davenport, Iowa. He woke me up. He said, I got to pack my bags. I'm getting ready to leave to go to Davenport. And man, I was scared to death to walk out that door the rest of the day. I'd open that door and pray before I went out. God, you remember, it was my brother you were talking to. <laughs> Paul went to Davenport. He spent several weeks there, and God healed that church. On the way back, the Lord spoke to him and said, the devil's going to try and take your life. He said, you're going to see a semi-truck in your lane. When you do, honk your horn three times. Paul forgot all about it. It's a few hours from our house to Davenport, and he's driving, and he looks up, and he sees a semi in his lane headed right at him. And he remembered the word of the Lord, and he honked three times, and that semi pulled back over in his lane. Folks, I'm not talking to you today about something that I've dreamed up or something I've made up. I'm talking to you about something that I discovered in the Word of God, and I've walked it out and seen it happen. And see, now listen, then this is what you need to understand, that there are times that you're praying and you cannot see the army that has been dispatched. That doesn't mean they're not there. And I want you to understand, I'm not worshiping angels, and I'm not praying to angels. I'm praying to the general of every angel that's ever been commissioned, and he knows my name. He knows my name. <laughs> you think that's enough, right? <laughs> I'm studying all this, and when I... Study. Well, it, it, it made me think about something. It made me think about what happens. And we've all experienced, I'm sure, if you ever reached a place where all of a sudden the devil starts attacking your mind and you feel like he's choking you out, you hear voices in your head saying things like, I'm no count. Loser. I'm a loser. Yeah. Yeah. And you feel that heaviness trying to take you down, and you feel God, I, that attack on your mind. But I'm telling you, if you will just do all you can to raise your sword and begin to pray, God, I need you. Lord, I've got to have you now. God, I can't make it on my own. You're going to discover that you're not alone. And angels usually speak real loud. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> give, give. My angels had laryngitis, man. <laughs> I'm telling you that when you begin to pray that you are entreating God and God stands ready to dispatch his army. 
the one that he commands. And I thought about this, and I thought about, man, you read the end of the book, and all the nations have gathered around Jerusalem, and they're getting ready to try and destroy Jerusalem. And he comes riding on a horse with a sword in his hand, and they're going to take him on? You need to be kidding me, man. And all of a sudden, he's going to speak his word and drop them. You can be on your own if you want to. Or you can make up your mind. I'm not going to try and fight this alone. I'm going to ask God to help me. And God is going to dispatch angels. Now stay with me here for a second because the very last word, I got to tell you, I was, I was studying this. And all these words came, all these words, all these definitions come from one word, from warfare. They all, military campaign or military service, military campaign, all, all the attacks on the mind, an army of angels. And then I get to the last definition, and this is where it stopped. This is the last definition. Stradia comes from the Greek word stronumi. Stronumi. And it meant make bed. And I got to tell you, at that point, I thought, well, God, that just blew my message. Because I didn't know what to do with that. Make bed. And then it dawned on me. I got a little excited when I finally figured out what that meant. You know, what do you do when you make a bed? God's saying, I got you covered. I got you When you pray, I got you covered. You're not on your own. Would you stand with me right now? When you pray, I've got you covered. When you pray, for your children. Amen. When you pray for, you know, you know what I've been praying for a long time now? God, send us the lost. Send us folks that need you. And I looked up one day and Brenton came in. I said, oh God, he needs you. <laughs> and you did, didn't you? And guess what? He got apprehended. Not by me or anybody else, but apprehended by the power of God. Not an angel. The Word of God. Put on the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. And pray always. Because when you do, you're engaging an army of angels. So if you're in here today and you're struggling with something or you've been going through something, I'm going to invite you to come and pray. Oh, pastor, I don't feel like praying. Well, you don't have to. You can deal with it all alone if you want to. Or you can ask for help. How many of you have ever tried to lift something that was too big for you? Isn't it amazing how we'll try it? We're going to try it. I remember trying to lift stuff, and it wasn't that I couldn't lift it. It was I couldn't get my arms around it. I thought, man, I can't. I can't. It's just too big for me. Not too heavy because he won't put anything on you that you're not able to bear. Just I can't get a hold of it. It amazed me how easy it became 
when someone got on the other end, lifted it up. I sat on the side of the road with a flat tire and no jack. God, I need a jack. God, please let somebody come. Let somebody stop. It's dark. I'm, I need a jack. Car pulled over. Woman got out. Do you have a jack? I sure do. Thank you so much. No, I'll take care of this for you. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to let you jack that up. I'll tell you, she gets out, jacks my car up. I said, let me, let me get the wheel. No, I got it. Takes the wheel off my car. I'm standing on the side of the road with cars passing by, watching me watch a woman change my tire. God don't care anything about your pride. He don't care anything about that. And I'm thinking, God, man. I'm just... And finally, you know, and, and she's trying, she picks the tire up to get it on, you know, put, ma match it with a studge, and she's struggling. And I said, let me get that. And I grabbed it and slid it up there, you know, and took over. And she looked at me and she said, I'd like to think I could have done that. I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I am certain you could. <laughs> Quit trying to do it yourself. Don't be too embarrassed or proud to ask God for help. I need your help. I'm telling you, he's got you covered. So if you're in this building today and you'd like to sharpen your sword, I want you to come to the front of this building. Now, I want you to hear me because I want us to spend a little bit of time up here and I want you to hear what I'm going to say. There's not a person in this building that doesn't have something they need to pray about. There's not one of us here that doesn't have something that we don't need God to intervene in. It may be a job. It may be your finances. It may be, I watched God multiply my money on a mission trip one day. I'd counted it three or four times a night before. Nobody came in that room, and yet the next morning there was several hundred dollars more than I had when I went to bed. I didn't put it there, but I know somebody that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. See, we limit God to our man-made world. But you need to recognize that everything that happens in the natural has a spiritual correlation. So when he says two swords are enough, He's letting you know they are when they come from the right dominion. <laughs> Church, would you stretch your hands to heaven and pray with me today? We're agreeing together. A year ago today, Kat stood up here. Now, see, somebody say, well, man, I wish I could pray and get healed like that. It wasn't like that. For five years, she had wrestled with that and had doctors tell her there's nothing that can be done. They sent her to pain management to try and manage it in her head because it was suicidal pain. For five years, she kept praying and believing and trusting. And I don't know what was happening in the heavenlies. I just know that a year ago, somebody got loose. Somebody broke through. And in an instant, God changed it all. What would have happened if she'd have quit praying after four years? What would have happened if she'd quit praying after four years, 364 days? 
Just keep on praying. Take the helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray always. Pray always. As you raise your hands to heaven. Now, look, I, I'll pray with you, but this isn't about me today. You, you got it? I, this, isn't, this isn't about my prayers. This is about yours. This is about you understanding and knowing that when you raise your hands and you begin to call on God, that He hears and He begins to work on your behalf. And if He's got to dispatch an angel to get the job done, you better get ready for company. The scripture said that we've entertained angels unawares. We didn't even know they showed up. Are you ready? All across this building, you don't have to come up here. All across this building, just raise your hand. Father, we come to you today knowing that not only do you hear our prayers, but you move armies to bring those prayers to pass. I'm asking whatever the needs are today, whether they're financial or physical or, or God, if it's depression and they need joy, God, if they're lost and undone and they need you as Savior, as they ask right now, with a boldness and a confidence, knowing that you're going to do it, that you're going to answer. Though you bear long, you answer. I ask that even now, in these next few minutes as we begin to pray, God, turn your ear toward us. Hear our prayers. Look on our dilemmas and send the answer in Jesus' name. As they begin to sing this song, church, just keep praying, would you? You ready? You got it targeted. You're going to speak it out in prayer.
I'm going to let you go, but I need, to, I need to share this with you. And you don't have to take off. I mean, you can stay here and battle if you want to. Because that's what this is about. And I need you to hear me. Because I don't want you walking out of here thinking all I've got to do is pray and angels are coming. Go back to the garden. What was his prayer? Not my will. Your will be done. This isn't about Jesus being our sugar daddy. Not my will your will be done and when you pray that and you mean that from your heart there aren't enough devils in hell to keep God from opening doors for so just stretch your hands one more time we're going to we're going to come into one conglomerate prayer together then we'll sing you out of here we've got a business meeting here a little bit We'll see you back here at 2 o'clock, but just stretch your hands and pray with me one more time. Father, we are so grateful and thankful that you hear and answer prayer. We're thankful, God, that, Lord, you've given us weapons to fight with, and they've got nothing to do with us, but they are powerful, and they are capable of pulling down fortresses that the devil has tried to build against us. Thank you that when the attack comes, we're not alone. But you're there commanding armies on our behalf. We praise you, God, that sometimes you just speak the word and it's done. And other times you join us in the battle and help us to forge ahead, knowing that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And every tongue that rises in judgment, we will condemn. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Come on and give a hand clap of praise in here today. God bless you. We love you.